Welcome to Biblical Perspectives on Aging, the podcast where you and your church will find answers to the difficult questions that arise as we grow older. On behalf of the Baptist Home, this is your host, Dr. Andy Brames. Today's guest on the podcast is Dr. David Sundin. Dr. Sundin has recently joined the Baptist Homes and Healthcare Ministries organization to lead their new hospice division. Today will be the first of three different parts of an interview with Dr. Sundin, today introducing you to himself and the reason for this new endeavor into hospice ministry for Baptist Homes and Healthcare Ministries. Well, today I am with Dr. David Sundin, and Dr. Sundin is has been brought aboard Baptist Home and Healthcare Ministries to help lead and facilitate the new hospice ministry. David, could you just uh, introduce yourself and share a little bit about your background prior to coming to Baptist Home and Healthcare sure. Ministries? Absolutely. Well, I was. Uh, I tell everybody I'm a product of the Midwest. My mom's. Uh, family when when they immigrated in and all that immigrated into uh, Minnesota and Iowa area. My dad's family when they immigrated in they went to the Nebraska area. So Nebraska, Minnesota, Iowa were is where my heritage is, my Swedish heritage. So my dad grew up on a farm and uh, in Nebraska, but uh, he tried his hand at farming and didn't. Uh, uh, it didn't work well for him, so he he went with the Department of, United States Department of Agriculture. So from from uh, all of my remembrance, I remember being you know going to the farm, my grandparents' farm, but I didn't grow up on the farm. Um, but my dad worked for the Department of Agriculture, and with that, we got transferred around a lot. So okay. most of my relatives are still in the Nebraska, Minnesota, Iowa area, but. Um, yeah, you know, my family, we, we traveled around yeah, getting um, transferred about every two years. You know, we did, uh, you know, of course, Minnesota, uh, Nebraska, Iowa, Puerto Rico, Maryland. But my dad finally quit um, transferring when I was in going into seventh grade. We went into Slidell, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And of course, you do your junior high, your high school and your first two years of college there, you know, that. For a long time, that was home. I mean, I just, but I have no more family in Louisiana. They've all okay. moved back to the Nebraska area, and so um, the only the only ties I have now to Minnesota, or I mean to Louisiana, uh, are just memories and people who contact me who remember me growing up there. But I don't really have any ties to Louisiana anymore. All my ties now are at, uh, basically Minnesota and Missouri. So I accepted Christ early in life, uh, about five years old, and uh, I was baptized at 12. At 13, I was on a mission trip and felt the strong call into the ministry. That sustained me all through junior high and high school. Um, I went to the University of New Orleans for a couple of years uh, because, you know, I was told you need to get your bachelor's first, then you can go to seminary. Well, then I found out they have these Bible colleges. So <laughs> I... Uh, I uh, Transferred out of uh, UNO, uh, University of New Orleans, and went to uh, St. Paul Bible College in Minnesota. Okay. I was the seventh of my family to actually go. Wow. Um, and I think there's been about 15 of us now in our extended family that, that have been uh, to the college. It's now called Crown College. But I went there and I got, my, I got a double major, a bachelor's in uh, Bible and also one in theology. And... 
but the bit one of the best things is in registration line I met a girl named Julie and uh, we've been married now for uh, 41 41 years a little over 41 years uh, got uh, four grown kids all married different kind of registration is what you're saying took place was, there uh, yeah, yeah I, I won't tell you the opening line on on uh, <laughs> the uh, on the podcast but uh, I'm surprised she even talked to me but anyway um, um, so I got you know four grown children all married and six grandkids uh, at this point so it's fun time of life. But after we graduated from uh, college, uh, we went to Appleton, Wisconsin. I was a youth minister there for a couple of years. And then I felt like I didn't have enough education. So since my folks were still living in Louisiana, uh, right outside New Orleans, my wife and I and two kids at the time packed up and moved to uh, Louisiana to do a seminary at New Orleans. Mm -hmm. So I did my MDiv there. And I was going to go into the doctoral program, but it was like, you know, uh, it's time to make a little money. And so that's what we did. We moved back to Minnesota and made a little money. <laughs> Not much. Um, but I was with the Home Mission Board at the time, okay. um, and I was a church planter. So spent 10 years in southwest Minnesota uh, pastoring a church there and planting churches around us. I tell people that in the 10 years we were there, we were able to actually grow the church up to where it could sustain itself, and then we were able to also plant 10 other churches around us. Okay. Uh, but I also put the caveat in there. We really didn't know what we were doing, and so it's like every year I was trying to plant a new church, and I, I really did not know how to, how to put together a church that could sustain itself. So at this point of all those churches, there's, there's only three of them that are left um, up there after— 30 some years. But that put me on a track of where the denomination was taking notice. Uh, you know, they weren't asking how healthy those churches were. They were just saying, wow, he planted 10 churches <laughs> in 10 years. That's awesome. So I became director of missions in okay. northern Minnesota, okay. where I spent nine years there, uh, kind of honing some of the church planting skills. Uh, but still, having some, still realizing we're not getting this right. By this time, I was with the North American Mission Board, um, and they started coming up with some new uh, ideas and training and stuff, that, which was very helpful. But I, I, wanted, to, uh, I wanted to advance further. Um, after nine years there, I went to the Minnesota-Wisconsin State Convention office in Rochester, Minnesota, and I became the um, evangelism director, the state okay. evangelism director. And while I was, and, and the thing that was fun about it was, although I was working with churches, I was still mostly working with church planters, okay. trying to increase their evangelism efforts. And during that time, I earned my doctorate here at Midwestern in church planting. And my, it, the focus was evangelism. So I tell people evangelistic church planting, <laughs> there you go. Uh, which really is an oxymoron. I mean, it, it, it should be you don't you shouldn't have to say evangelistic church planting that's what it should be um but i was doing that when i graduated because my dissertation was uh because we were so spread out in minnesota wisconsin convention uh my dissertation involved me doing training and things with online oh okay so okay. i tapped into uh the um 
Midwestern's online portal, which was nothing like it is today. No, it was it horrible. I remember it that. It was horrible. And uh, so I had to I had to do a lot of punting, but we got it done. And this kind of caught their attention. And then they asked me if I would help develop some online courses and teach. That was in 2010. Did that for three years. And then they asked me if I would move to uh, Kansas City to become the dean of online studies. Well, they asked me to direct the program. Then I became the dean later. But so I was, I did that for just, just shy of eight years, um, was the dean of online studies and teaching here at Midwestern. I'm still a professor at Midwestern, um, but I no longer have the academic responsibility or not, no longer have the administrative responsibilities because, uh, a few months back, Dr. Harrison, who had actually recruited me to come to Midwestern, he he had uh, become the president of the Baptist Homes Organization, Baptist Homes uh, Healthcare Ministries Organization. And uh, he wanted to start a hospice program. And he asked me if that was something that I would be willing to come and join him. And at first it was like, no, I don't know anything about the medical field. I'm a doctor, uh, but not that kind. But anyway, after a while, and you're praying about it and all, um, I decided. And so on August 1st, I became the executive director of Baptist Homes Hospice, which at this point does not exist, but we're putting it together. So that kind of catches you up on uh, my background. Yeah, wonderful. And and so obviously at some point after the hospice program is working, uh, we'll have you back on so that you can give us some more information <laughs> sure, about abs- that at that absolutely. point. Absolutely. Um, so again, I, I appreciate that, giving us that background. But now that you have been brought on by mm-hmm. Baptist Home and Healthcare Ministries, we're still getting used to saying it that way, right? right? Uh, let's talk big picture for a minute and then, then kind of drill down. Sure. What 100 years? Plus is right. what the Baptist Home and now Baptist Home Healthcare Ministries has been. Never ventured into healthcare ministry or, or into hospice ministry before. Um, why hospice and and yeah. what? Why now? Why is now the right time for that? Okay. Um, well, uh, if you go back to the 108 year uh, history of the Baptist Home. All right. Mm -hmm. It started, and I know that you guys have talked on other podcasts about the history and different things of uh, the Baptist home and how it advanced and and all. But it was designed not to be taking any outside uh, funds with the government. All right. And so they started, and they started with just, you know, people giving and and things uh, from our churches and stuff, but they weren't taking any. I don't even know that there was any government help when they started. <laughs> That's probably true. But as it progressed, they stayed within that mold and they never got into like Medicare, Medicaid, uh, things along those lines. Uh, they never, they never got into that. And now that, uh, we're going into our 109th year and, uh, we've got people who are, who have worked their entire lives. They've been paying into their social security, their Medicare, all those benefits and things. And, um, to tell them that they would not be able to use that in, uh, for their nursing home, di- I mean, different policies. Mm-hmm. And there's, it's, there's a lot of different l- levels here, but to say that we couldn't do that, um, 
that's that's really not a good business model and it also then doesn't take advantage of what they have paid into for for all these years and so there was that shift where we knew that if baptist homes was going to be viable um, it was going to have to also tap into the benefits that our people have earned so that is the process right now where we're doing the paperwork and that's not one of the things that i'm doing thank goodness i've got other people working on that but in order to turn us into a medicare medicaid uh payee thus we can take advantage of those and help more people so that's one thing but the big issue here and i like the way dr harrison uh, says it in the past we have told people you come to us and we'll take care of you the rest of your life. But now we're moving into more of a Great Commission idea of going. And so it still is true. If you come to us, we'll take care of you the rest of your life. But now we're emphasizing we can come to you okay. and take care of you the rest of your life. And the way we're starting this off is with the hospice program. And so the hospice program is uh, going to have the ability to allow people to stay in their homes. And we then will send the medical personnel, the spiritual personnel, the social workers, the aides, uh, you know, all of these type of things. Once a person has been declared to uh, uh, be uh, eligible for hospice, we now can go into their homes and they don't have to come to our facilities, but we can go to theirs. But there's another issue here, too. Um, it's not just a home hospice that we're looking at. We've got these, uh, right now, seven uh, nursing homes. Two of them are being um, updated right now, and we don't have any patients in them. So they're being uh, remodeled, and they're going to look really good. Um, one of them, uh, one of our new ones, is actually being remodeled while we do have some some residents there so they're okay. having to shift things around that's the one in independence but the one in adrian and the one in smithville those are empty buildings right now and we are we're working on those to update those to get them open but um one of the issues is so you have someone who's in your nursing home and the doctors say to them you are now eligible for hospice. So in other words, in order to be eligible for hospice, what they're basically saying is there really isn't anything else that we can medically do to extend your life. And if the degree, if the, if the, uh, if the disease or the situation that you're dealing, medical situation you're dealing with, if that continues the way it is now, you have six months or less to live. All right. So, a basic hospice. Now, there's some other things involved there. So you have someone in the nursing home, and the doctors have said, yes, they're eligible for hospice. Now, at this point, when you're eligible for hospice, the government, um, then the Medicaid will pay for your hospice. But if the institution that you're in is not set up as okay. a payee, then you have to bring in an outside organization. And so now we have been, uh, we'll just say, for instance, we've been taking care of someone for five years and they have learned to love our nurses and they mm. love, you know, just 
We have the chaplains there and all this, but once they go into hospice, they're still in the same room, they're still in the same bed, but now they have a different organization from the outside coming in. And we just think that it is to our residents' benefit that when they go into hospice that they're able to then tap into the finances of hospice, which will then help our institutions but they will be able to keep their same nurses, their same aides, their same social workers, their same chaplains, all of that. And they just transition into the hospice program. And we don't have to have another outside agency come in to take over. So that's part of the, the reasoning, too, just for the sake of our residents there. And if you've got, uh, if you've, if you've got them taking up a, uh, a room, as a nursing home, but they're in hospice, then the pay then goes to the hospice agency. And if it's us, then that sure. that would take care that would take care of their needs and their room and all of that. And it, we don't have to rely on the church's gifts and all to uh, maintain that. And, and having two payments because they're still paying you for the room, if, and they're paying the outside agency for the other. So yeah, there'd be two different yeah. uh, aspects of payment rather than the single payment. Right. For, for Baptist homes. Exactly. Yeah. And so, I mean, and there's there's different levels even of that. You know, okay. we don't need to get into all of that. But it's good for Baptist homes for their long-term uh, viability. But it's also really good for the uh, the residents because it, it just doesn't seem like much of a shift to them because we'd be using the same, same people. They've grown to love. And in our Baptist homes, we have a level of care there that is is um, phenomenal um, and when it would go into hospice then it would become a different type of of care but it would still be at that same wonderful level um, and it would be good for the residents and so this is why so the idea you know kind of summing it up it is <clears throat> it is good to be great commission in going out Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. um, and so now we want to come go to people. Um, but it's also good for our residents in our nursing homes because it will be seamless. There won't be a new organization coming in and in click of a button. It's not a phone call to a hospice agency anymore. It's a click of a button and the hospice is there. That's great. So, yeah, we're we're looking forward to that. Thank you for joining us today. In the next episode, I will continue the conversation with Dr. David Sundin as we discuss the new endeavor into hospice ministry for Baptist Homes and Healthcare Ministries. Biblical Perspectives on Aging is brought to you by Baptist Homes and Healthcare Ministries, a ministry committed to setting a Christ-like standard of care for the aging. For more information, go to thebaptisthome.org. That's all one word thebaptisthome.org. Together, we can be the voice for the aging. Thank you for joining us for this interview today. The Baptist Home has provided Christ-like care to the aging since 1913. To learn more about the biblically informed resources and solutions provided by The Baptist Home, go to www that's all one word, dot org. Again, www 
www.thebaptisthome.org. You will find links to previous podcasts, a growing number of church resources, and detailed information about residential and long-term care communities. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Andy Brams, asking you to be a voice for the aging.